Welcome into the Restore Liberty Podcast with George and Ray. We've got a special in-studio guest, and we got a special on-the-phone guest, and we got a big show ahead. George? Yeah, so in the studio, we have uh, inmate number uh, 54359. That's Jason me. Winchester currently serving time in Facebook jail. Jason, welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you. And on the phone, we got Mark Meckler, president of the Convention of States Action Group. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's good to be with a Facebook inmate. <laughs> there you go. And, of course, we got next to us here, uh, Ray. Good morning, uh, good afternoon, and good evening across the Fruited Plains. Uh, special announcement this morning, the election was stolen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for our, our uh, commercial break there. Um, anyway, let's, let's jump right in. Mark, you're currently uh, with the Convention of States. You're also on the uh, Executive Committee for Parlor, which should be interesting to talk about. Um, you were one of the co-founders with Jenny Beth Martin of Tea Party Patriots uh, way back when. Um, the Convention of States Action Group that you're with now has some huge supporters. Jim DeMint, Rick Sectorum, Tom Colburn, and, and the big one, Mark Levin. Um, so welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Let's get. It's good to be here. I appreciate you guys taking the time with me today. Oh, excellent. Hey, so I thought we'd get started by sort of going through what the big items are in everybody's mind right now, and and there are some big ones, of course. Um, I guess the the number one thing that sort of seemed to be the impetus for convention of states was the whole thing around spending. The fact that you know Obama taught us how to go into a trillion dollars a year debt, and now Biden's teaching us how to go into three trillion dollars a year debt. And, and it just doesn't seem to have any end. We've got these ridiculous levels of spending, you know, at a time where we also have record tax revenue. Do you? Yeah, you know, I would add, and I think it's really important that we add this to be honest about it, which is we had record spending under President Trump as well. Yes. And for all the things I loved about President Trump, he was certainly no fiscal conservative. He... I think as a longtime real estate developer was a lover of debt, and he drove the country further into debt. So we have had historic levels of spending for a very long time, and frankly, against the will of the American people. If you look at polling consistently over the last 30 years, the American people are in favor of a balanced budget amendment. I know we're going to get into those kind of topics later, but I think this just shows you where the American people are at. And it's not surprising because it's common sense that you can't simply spend more money than you take in forever. Eventually, there's going to be a reckoning. So, look, it's getting dangerous. Now we're starting to see it lead to hyperinflation. Inflation is really out of control. I saw the last numbers up 6.2% in October from October of 2020. That's the largest increase in 30 years. So it's starting yep. to have an effect on the economy. The politicians in Washington, D.C. seem to be completely out of touch from this. You know, they, they generally are wealthy folks. You look at the president or vice president, people provide their food, make their meals, drive cars around for them. They don't well, they've never had a job. I mean, our current chicken. president has never worked at a job. He's been in public, Never worked quote. at a real job. Never right. Never signed a paycheck for anybody else. So, yeah, I think they're just completely out of touch on this issue. And I don't think the average family ever goes through the idea of hey we'll just keep borrowing money you know let's find a new credit card or you know take another mortgage or something i mean at some point you have to pay the piper i and like you said it's the spending's been going on forever i think the only difference is the republicans tend to do it a little bit slower but even then i i think trump hit new levels as well but until now we haven't seen it so bad that inflation is just out of control i mean like you said it's the largest jump in inflation since 1990 so, I mean, we're talking, you know, Bush and Clinton years now. Um, 
Well, and you, you know, this uh, current gang thinks that uh, the way to solve inflation is throw more money on it. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's the way you do it when it's not your money. I think yeah. that's the key. That's, yeah. That seems to be their solution for darn near everything. <laughs> like, throw more money at it. Global warming, throw some money at it, you know? So right. And, and so, like, on the drive in, I was listening and they were quoting some of Obama's stuff saying that, hey, you know, all the money we're spending is actually going to bring inflation down and create jobs. And I'm like, <laughs> Wow. I mean, as I've said before, sooner or later, we're going to be arguing with these people that water's not wet and fire's not hot. I mean, they're insane. Well, and, you know, we've got this record 6% inflation last month. And what are they talking about? They want to spend another $3 trillion. Like, I mean, they're just going to throw fire, uh, gas on the fire. So, yeah, the spending's been a big thing for a while. I think that's, that's the obvious one. I mean, the whole Tea Party movement grew out of that. But, but the current one that has been highlighted by what's going on with COVID is the, the whole idea of government overreach. I mean, the spending is creating bigger and bigger government. But with COVID, they not only went after bigger government, they went after more control. I mean, you can't leave your house. You can't go to church. You can go to an abortion clinic, but you can't go to church. You know, all of that crazy overreach is really out of control. And, of course, you know, the latest OSHA thing with trying to mandate a vaccine is just highlighting that the government is taking steps that it was never allowed to to take in previous history. Yeah, and they're not allowed to take now constitutionally. Uh, we saw this. We saw the Fifth Circuit smack down the vaccine mandates in, in really the shortest uh, injunction ruling I've ever seen. And they essentially said it has gross constitutional problems. It's going to be shut down, in my opinion. But we have now something that is unique, which is an administration that does things that they know are unconstitutional. In fact, we had the president say this about suspending the moratorium on evictions, about right. extending that. He said, I know that most of uh, the authority says that I can't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because it'll be in place for a time and it will help some folks over that period of time. So what that means is he's openly acknowledging that he's doing things that are unconstitutional. He's just going to wait to be slapped down by the courts. In my opinion, that's direct grounds for impeachment. I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but the president takes an oath to uphold the Constitution, and when he openly says, I'm going to do something that I know is unconstitutional, he ought to be immediately and summarily removed from office. Well, and the complication there is he's he's he is the president, but he's not there. I mean, there's no way you can make a case that this guy is mentally competent at this point so somebody is running the ship yeah he, he's trying to read the the you know the teleprompter yeah the, his defense in court would be this isn't something a reasonable person would do or say <laughs> <laughs> I, I you can laugh but it, it's just it's just silly how how it is like you said with the the moratorium the the supreme court had already knocked it down saying you can't do this and he went and did it anyway uh the same thing with the the vaccine mandates. Everyone was telling him, and he even said himself earlier, you know, a year ago, that there's no way to do a mandate. But then he goes and does it anyway. So I mean, we have this, you know, we're spending so much money, inflation's taking off, and our solution is to spend more money. We're doing things that are unconstitutional, and our our solution to that is to continue to do it because we can get away with it with a complicit media, which which sort of brings us up to the next topic is. I, th- I think the thing that is really out of control now is we've never seen this union between, you know, the the liberal left, the Democrats or communists, whatever you want to call them today, with the media has been there forever. But now you've got them with the media, you've got them with Facebook, you've got them with Google, 
uh, with Amazon. I mean, you've worked with Parler. You guys were thrown off of Amazon because they didn't like you, not because you were doing anything wrong. They just didn't like you. Yeah, I think the tech oligarchy right now is particularly dangerous. If you look at the definition of fascism, uh, Benito Mussolini, the founder of fascist ideology, said it's everything inside the state, nothing outside the state, and nothing against the state. And what's totally unique about what we're seeing in the United States today, I would argue that we do already live in a fascist country. Uh, Our government is a fascist totalitarian, elected fascist totalitarian government. What's unique is when you think about Mussolini or Mao or Stalin, they would have literally killed to have the kinds of tracking and censorship tools that the big tech oligarchs provide them with. Today, all of the platforms are where we communicate today we carry with us, generally 24-7, a tracking, listening, and watching device. Right. Virtually every American above the age of 16 has one of these, and a lot, a lot younger. So they now have this gigantic apparatus outside of the state that makes sure that nothing is said against the state. And that's what we see with this totalitarian censorship coming from the tech oligarchy. Right. And and that one's kind of a new one as far as, you know, I, I've never... S- I haven't seen much on how to combat this. I mean, we had Vivek Ramaswamy on here a couple of times, and uh, Vivek is, you know, does a great job of explaining how this came together and what their motivations are. But you know, his his solution so far is, you know, we need to to go after more laws that sort of get in the way of this, and that, you know, if you're doing something on behalf of the government, you're a government agency, and therefore the Constitution applies. But I don't know if that's a, a quick enough way to stop it because. I mean, it's continuing. Even today, you can see that the way they've been covering the, the Kyle Rittenhouse um, court appearances and what happened you know, a couple of days ago when the, the guy basically admitted he shot in self-defense, and, and this was the prosecution's main witness. But yet, nobody covered that in the news. You, you had to be watching you know, conservative blogs or you know, other non-mainstream to even see that information. It was just hidden. I, I think... You know, the bottom line is what we're doing now is we've gone from, you know, the government trying to sort of act like they were underneath the Constitution and continuing to grow and grow and grow. Uh, I'm certainly the, quote, Affordable Care Act was a major step in taking control. But now with COVID, we've seen them really take control of the system. How are we going to break this? What's the solution? And, and I think you know, what you're trying to do with the Convention of States and the Article 5 of the Constitution is is the way to do it. So uh, let's get to, into that in segment two. All right. A reminder, get all the details on Restored Liberty at RestoredLiberty.us. That's the website. You can find previous podcasts and the latest news as well there on how you can get involved locally. We'll continue segment two up next of three. You're listening to the Restored Liberty Podcast with George and Ray.